Hey, it's Kathy. Before we get into today's episode, I have something so cool to tell you about. I'm kicking off a free training. It's a free five-day abundance activation challenge. It starts on May 6th, and I'll be going live every day with you to give you the practical tools that you need to become a master manifester and create more abundance in your life. If you're curious about manifesting and elevating your vibration to start attracting more abundance, if you want tools you can use to tap into the high vibe energy at the drop of a hat, or you're simply seeking truth and joy in life, this challenge is designed for you. I'll be covering the practices and tools to tune your vibration, claim your worth, and co-create with the universe. It's just going to be so much fun. This is the thing that I have been most excited to put together, and I have been working on this behind the scenes really for the last two years, and it's finally here. And if you wanted to just do a deep dive into all the spiritual and all the energetic tools that really you can use that are right here that are within you that will allow all these incredible gifts that are hidden in plain sight already to start being a part of your life. I'm so excited for this. We always have so much fun, but this is actually something I've been working on for over two years and it's finally here. So save your spot now. You can sign up for free at kathyheller.com slash five day. And that's the number five. Transcending the the what and getting to the the who and the why with everything you do is going to allow you to connect with more people. If you're a person who's looking to have more purpose in your life, if you're saying to yourself, I don't want to just go to work, I want to do my life's work, this is the show. This is the show, Don't Keep Your Day Job. How do you figure out how to take your passion and turn it into a profit? Life is too short not to wake up every day excited. You've got something that you've got to share with the world. I'm positive. That's why you're here. The show will not just give you inspiration, but some real life tools that you can start to take some real action week after week so that you can not just go to work and build someone else's dream. You can do the thing that you've always truly wanted to do. Make yourself the happiest version of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so happy that you're here. 2018, this is going to be your year. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I hope everyone had a great week. I hope you enjoyed last week's interview with Lewis Howes. Pretty awesome. Um, And I'm super excited because this week's guest is just as amazing and just as accomplished. Her name is Amy Jo Martin. She's a best-selling author of the book, Renegades Write the Rules, How the Digital Royalty Use Social Media to Innovate. She's the founder of Digital Royalty, which helps corporations, celebrities, and sports entities humanize their brand through social media. She's worked with huge celebrities like Shaquille O'Neal and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Plus, she's the host of the podcast, Why Not Now?, which is a show that investigates how successful people bridge the gap between dreaming and doing. She's interviewed world-class entrepreneurs and artists like Ariana Huffington, Mark Cuban, Jessica Alba, Tony Robbins, and tons more. You guys are going to love her podcast, so go check it out after this episode. Amy really knows her stuff when it comes to making genuine connections and building a genuine presence on social media, so I made a cheat sheet for you guys, and there's a link to it in the show notes, which you can find on either Apple Podcasts or on our website, Don't Keep Your Day Job, so go ahead um, after this episode and grab that because I think that there's some really cool takeaways and really cool things that you guys can start to think about doing with your social media to grow your following in the most organic, connected way. So go ahead. You can download that freebie. It's in the show notes, either on iTunes or on our website. All right. Please welcome the lovely Amy Jo Martin. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm excited about this. Oh, good. I feel like everything that you've been doing is so in line with what our audience is excited about. And so I'm really looking forward to hearing all the things you have to say. Before we sort of like chunk down the the wisdom that you've extrapolated from your journey and the things that you've been able to accomplish, why don't we start with your story a little bit? 
What's the beginning of this story and how did you wind up doing what you're doing now? Sure. So I've really always kind of had what I call a renegade mentality. Um, I lived in a lot of different places growing up. We lived in a trailer home. So we'd move our home to wherever the next small town was that my dad was working in. He was working in construction. And so this kind of desire and curiosity of what else is out there was always a part of me. So I would explore and um, definitely had a bit of an addiction to change because I was moving schools and I, I really embraced change. Um, went through high school and college marketing, went to ASU and ended up working for ad agency that worked with the professional sports teams in Phoenix, Arizona. And then I ended up working for the Phoenix Suns at the NBA. And where the story in the kind of big, I guess, kind of wave started for me was I started experimenting with social media in 2007, 2008, and trying to figure out how could we use this for business. And Hmm. it, it really wasn't a thing yet that corporate entities were harnessing at the time, but there was a lot of concern and fear around it. Uh, and I was just kind of playing. I was the director of digital media and research. I think it was called new media. Actually, it was a very, uh, fresh term, new media. And eventually we called it social media. Um, but as, as I experimented, I realized how valuable the space could be to connect the affinity of the fans with the brand of the Phoenix Suns, the team, as well as with the, the players. And it was like this magic in a bottle. And, and as I continued to kind of share behind the scenes and, and tell some stories, and, and a lot of this was on Twitter at the time. Uh, Instagram didn't exist yet. And I received a phone call one day as I was sitting at my desk. And it was basketball operations down in the locker room, which I never get phone calls from the player side of things. I was in marketing Hmm. and they said, come down to the locker room right now. Shaquille O'Neal wants to learn how to tweet. And I thought, oh my gosh. And they said, we've checked around and you're the only one in this building that knows what that means. And I think they called it like, he wants to learn how to Twitter or they didn't even know how to refer to, (laughs) to Twitter. So I head down to the locker room and There was this moment where I I thought, should I check with my bosses? Because when you work in the front office in marketing for a professional sports team, it's not every day that you just go work with the players. There's a pretty clear line there. And I thought, this isn't really allowed, but I'm doing it anyway. I'm going straight down Mm -hmm. there. And I I meet seven-foot-tall Shaquille O'Neal. I look up at him, and he hands me his Shackberry. Uh, which he called it at the time instead of his Blackberry. Everything has a shack term. And I, I taught him. And from there, it was this awesome collaboration and connection of experimenting. And I took some concepts to him called Random Acts of Shackness, where my goal was to really bridge the virtual world with the physical world because I knew how much fans just wanted to be as close as they could to him. But also they didn't necessarily trust and believe that it was him on Twitter at the time. So we created these stunts and I took him this idea and I said, let's just have you do these kind of hide and tweet things and these Twitter tag types of rogue stunts. And we didn't check with anyone. We just went and did them. So one day 
he stood on the street corner, a really popular street corner in Phoenix, Arizona, and we tweeted. I he tweeted, you know, I'm standing right here at the corner of like 32nd and Camelback. The first person to tag me gets tickets to the game tonight. And we didn't have any security. We didn't have any plan other than just this desire to kind of play and be renegades, but also to connect. And um, a lot of fans showed up. We continue to continue to do this. And eventually the media shows up and then eventually the authorities show up at times <laughs> and um, it was hitting ESPN at night and the footage of what we were doing and how he was using mm. this. And so from there, I decided to leave my corporate comfy job and start my own agency in 2009. And really we, we grew from there, started, you know, getting clients like Dwayne, the rock Johnson and Hilton worldwide and, Nike and Fox Sports and it just kind of the rest is history but it was all an experiment at the time. Amazing and so you were helping all of these really influential people learn how to use this platform when they really were new to it which is kind of astounding to be there at the beginning of all that. Yeah it was humanizing them because people knew them as the you know, the polished painted celebrities, but really showing who the person was behind the personality, even if that was a CEO of a major company. And it was, uh, it was a really fun time because it was the wild, wild west. And that was 10 years ago now. Wow. It's so cool. And that's kind of fascinating when you really boil it down and you realize that what maybe makes this so special and what makes it work is that it peels away that facade and it makes people real and how much people want to connect but not everybody thinks about it that way people sometimes think about social media the complete opposite like everyone's curating things to try to look perfect and you're saying that your intention was humanizing making people the real version of them not what you see on tv Exactly. And I think that's the thing, Kathy, that it's, it really has evolved over time. You know, the platforms and features and functionality shifts, but really it's how the humans decide to use it. So it, at this time, an era of, of experimentation, it, it still is. But if you look back to like, let's say 2008, there was an innocence about the space that some brands and individuals have continued to harness, but as a tendency, and as marketers, we like to polish and brand things to where it is exactly how we want it. And it's, you know, it's an image, but images are static and they're not necessarily mm -hmm. alive. And, you know, you see even myself, you know, my following grew to over a million people in like 2009 on Twitter were following me. And I found myself starting to tell the story play by play of what I thought people wanted to hear at times. And here I was helping, you know, all these individuals with their own personal brands and big companies too, for their corporate social media strategy and brands. And sometimes we can slip into that phase where the image and that polished highlight reel starts to elbow out the real you. And so yeah, I definitely went through some times where the inside wasn't matching the outside. Yeah, that makes sense. We're going to zoom out and, and I want to hear what you feel like you've learned 
um, from traveling the world and talking to so many people who've been so successful. Um, but before we get there, I think that it would be remiss not to talk a little bit about social media a little more because so many of our audience members are always asking that question, like, how am I going to grow my Instagram? How am I going to grow my Twitter? How are more people going to like my YouTube videos? What do you say to people? What do you feel like are things that people should know or things that people should be doing to make that happen? Sure. Some of the, the top fundamentals that regardless of what platforms out next or what's happening with algorithms uh, that I really believe in are number one, humans connect with humans, not logos. So if you have a small business Mm. and you're really proud of this logo and this brand that you're building, rightfully so, but nobody knows about you yet, you need to show up as the face and Eventually, when you get big enough, it, that's great to kind of start to have your side-by-side strategy and, and parallel it. But you really are uh, a person that needs to connect with the other person on, on the other end. So it's, it's such an easy concept and simple concept, but I think it's something that we forget. You know, we need that mm-hmm. FaceTime. Uh, so that's one. And really social media kind of comes down to a a golden rule. And that is to deliver value when, where, and how your audience wants to receive it. And in Mm. order to do that, we have to identify what's our value. You know, what is that? And sometimes it takes a little experimenting, I think, to realize and really dial in what makes me different. What can I offer up that people want, need, and, Making sure, let's say, let's just take someone, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, for example. When I first met him, he was a very private man and he, social media was not for him. And I was like, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Someone had introduced us and it's like, no big deal. And he reaches out maybe three, six months later and he said, okay, I'm ready. Now what do we do? Right. And one of the strategies was to really diversify his content to where People were always connecting with him, not with what he was doing. So -hmm. if you think of his fan base, you have, you know, the kids movies from Tooth Fairy to his Disney movies all the way to WWE and G.I. Joe and the shoot 'em up uh, types of, of movies to inspirational content. And the common denominator really is Dwayne Johnson and him as a person versus what he's doing. So mm-hmm. kind of transcending the, the what and getting to the, the who and the why with everything you do is going to allow you to connect with more people and really diversify your potential for a fan base or following. That is so crystal clear the way you say it. So a couple things. Would you say that means being vulnerable? I mean, what stuff is worthy of sharing? I feel like a lot of people listening are going to say like, but I'm not interesting or I'm afraid to tell people that I'm not in, you know, the healthiest marriage or that I'm scared to fly or that I'm whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. would you would you encourage people to be vulnerable? Are there certain things that you think are interesting or do you say just just tell the truth? You know, I mean, what would you say to that? It's a great question. And it's especially a popular question when I'm working with you know, CEOs and corporate executives, because they're like, I'm not about to talk about my family right, or this or that. What, yeah. And I have to remind people that 
social media is not like the paparazzi, you know, you, you get to control and share whatever you want, want to share from a content perspective. So just kind of remind yourself, it's like a faucet and you, you have the ability to turn it up more, turn it down more. So it's vulnerability is always going to connect people. And if you're not comfortable with, you know, sharing a certain aspect of your life, that doesn't mean you won't be successful with social using social media. It also means there might be more potential to kind of turn it up along the way. But there is a tendency for people to think, well, you know, what do I have to share? What is interesting about me? I'm not willing to talk about XYZ quite yet, or I'm not ready. And that's completely okay because it's back to what value do you have? And can you share stories in a way and share insights that you're still comfortable with that gauge of where it is, but realizing this is an organic process. Like the the Mm -hmm. feeds are alive, they're real time. So what you share today is going to be old news in a couple of hours, or people might not even see it or remember it. So you have the opportunity to continue to reinvent your your approach and strategy and adjust it, pivot. Something uh, one of my mentors shared with me, Tony Shea, the CEO of Zappos, and he was a client and also an investor at one point of my company. He said, be authentically true to yourself and your tribe will find you. Hmm. And it's so true when it comes to social media. The more you can be as close and as true to the core to yourself, the more you'll resonate with people. And it's, it's definitely a, something that we like to segment, especially when it comes to business. People like to say, okay, this is my, my work presence and this is my work self. And then this is my you know, social and personal life and personal self. And the truth is mm-hmm. it's 2018. And so it's work-life integration versus separation, which is actually something Tony has said too, but it, that blend has to be there. So are you saying that let's say a person has an Etsy shop and they do hand lettering, they might think to themselves, well, why would my Instagram feed want to know about my kids or my marriage or the dog that I had that just passed away? And you're saying, oh, yes, they want to know about that versus just seeing all your hand lettering. I think if if you think about your entire life and kind of back to that uh, example with The Rock, <laughs> with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, yeah. if they know more about you, you will have more opportunities and touch points to connect with them. So yep. And if you're not comfortable sharing some of those super personal things, that's okay because there are other aspects of your life too you can share. Uh, So it's, if you think about it though, if you're always talking about hand lettering, then at some point, the first time I see you pop up in my feed, in an instant, my mind's going to go to hand lettering, promotion, marketing, keep scrolling, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. so, Mm -hmm. but if I know that maybe you just hiked on a trail I've hiked on once and, or you also have an Australian shepherd like I do when it has its own hashtag, <laughs> then I, so might, cute. I might be willing to look at your hand lettering and spend more time with it the next time it comes through my feed. So it's like, I always refer to it. It's like, imagine a cocktail party. You wouldn't walk up to someone for the first time and try to sell them a timeshare. <laughs> you yeah. need to 
earn yep. your right and build that connection and just yep. like we do in person. I completely 100% agree with what you're saying. What would you say to the other person? Let's say there's a person listening to this right now who's like, I'm totally willing to share. I'm comfortable, you know, being shameless and being vulnerable. But what do you think are a few topics that have been sort of found that like, yeah, people like to learn and, and hear more about your life in this way? Yeah. In fact, there's this process that um, in Renegades Write the Rules, and I do this with every client I've ever worked with, you map out what I call your value balance buckets. <laughs> so mm. you literally want to stay even and and think through what interests you and what types of value. Does it come in the form of educating other people, of, of making them laugh, comedy, maybe it's inspiration, um, reciprocation. Anyway, so you think through those, but also what makes your life well-rounded? Um, so like one easy thing that came to mind as you were asking that question would be books. Let's say you are, you love to read and you're trying to think of other ways and other types of things to, um, to share content wise. Yeah. Maybe there's a passage in a book or a quote or something that allows you to then open up of how it's impacted your life and make mm. it personal. So not just regurgitating what was in there. We have plenty of that, but right. you know, we live in the land of Instagram quotes and inspiration and that's great, but why is this different? What value are you adding to this quote or to this message? And just being real too. You know, I did a side-by-side -side photo on Instagram a while back of me right before a speaking gig and then me living in the forest everyday work life attire <laughs> and <laughs> same person very looks very different and just that reminder of you gotta keep it real if you want to resonate yeah. because the more we scroll through these feeds and we're desensitized we have this decoder where we can just nope not being real like, it's just so easy to dismiss content. So yeah, it's, and having fun with it, experimenting. You know, what you're saying is pow so powerful because being able to tell the truth, to say what's real, to be authentic is about giving yourself permission to accept yourself, not have shame. And that in turn helps other people feel like they can be themselves and this is literally like this is our greatest obstacle people for some reason go into this world of like i have to curate a perfect post and then people feel like they compare themselves and they feel terrible when like it's not even true for anybody nobody's having that kind of day no one so why we all do that it's exhausting and really, there's an opportunity for everybody to feel so much more connected and so much more seen because everyone's there and everyone's having the same kind of stuff. Exactly. And you recently, um, I saw one of your blog posts that was talking about, you know, how we can all spread serotonin and we can use this for the good. Tell us a little bit about that and what one of your ideas is for how people can lift and elevate this space. Sure. So I, I ended up doing some clinical research. I am not a researcher or a scientist, but I found someone who, who is incredible and has the legit cred, Dr. Zeev Kane, and partnered up with him a couple of years ago. We did a, a study because my question was, 
does what we share online in the virtual world and what we consume via social media impact our behavior offline in the physical world? Anyway, I won't bore you with the, the details of the study, but the net net was yes. Uh, intuitively, we know that, but I kind of just wanted to be able to prove it. And one of the things and one of the reasons I did this study was I found that um, well, the simplicity with serotonin is that if you do something nice to me, you get a hit of serotonin and so do I. But so does anyone that witnesses that act. So oh, that's imagine, so beautiful. Yeah. So imagine taking that concept online. You have infinite amount of potential people witnessing almost infinite. I mean, the reach is beyond anything we could do in the physical world. So just because you and I might exchange some awesome communication that's positive via, let's say Twitter, then we're going to get a hit of serotonin, you and I, but so is anybody that's watching and witnessing. And it doesn't mean they have to have liked it. It doesn't mean that they have to have responded or retweeted it or whatever. It if they were just exposed to it, that actually impacts their behavior offline. And so this concept is just fascinating to me because in theory, we can accelerate and scale the spread of serotonin. <laughs> I mean, hello, wow. who doesn't want to do that, right? Yeah. And I found this and the reason I got so interested was during the Japan earthquake in 2011, I ended up going on to Twitter when it was happening live, real time, all of this devastation and, and things happening minute to minute were really critical. And I saw the opportunity to shift information from one set of hands to another. So there were people who were literally stuck because of the earthquake or people that didn't know where the tsunami was going to hit next into the outer regions. And so maps were being shared and first responders were trying to communicate and I have a really large following of over a million people on Twitter. So I decided I don't know how I can help other than just sharing this information and shifting it from one set of hands to the other. Yeah. So I just started to do this. And it was the most one of the most powerful moments of my life because I wow. realized with a click of a button, someone could potentially save someone else's life hmm. through social media. It's like, yeah. that's it. so. I started thinking, why don't we do this every day in just little micro yeah. moments? Yeah. And, and so I've gotten into the habit for the last couple of years is about once a week, if not more, I'll hop into social and say, hi, is there anything I can do to help you? Uh, and it's amazing how that, that works. And it's different for each medium, for each platform. But what happens is it will instantly put me into a good mood. So I kind of use it in a selfish way sometimes if, if I'm not in a great mood. That is so awesome. <laughs> yes. And anybody can do that. And you do see people offering up, you know, Q&As of ask me anything. But this is a little different. This is, you know, how can I help you? And what are uh, some and, of the things that, that have occurred? Like what oh are some gosh. of the ways that people have said you could help and what are the things that you've done? <gasps> It's so interesting. I mean, they, it is all across the board and I've seen big things, small things, uh, funny things, like really serious. A couple, let's just throw out a couple here. One, I had this individual who just on a whim said, I'm walking into a job interview in about five minutes. And they were in the like waiting room. Uh, is there anything that you would, you know, say for some last minute advice? Oh, that's great. So I shot him some feedback and 
about a month later, I got a direct message from him saying, you know what? I got the job. I don't know if it was because of your advice, but it put me in this like zone of confidence. So some people, it all depends too on, on where within Facebook I've found, oh my gosh, there was someone that was looking for a study buddy for a certain type of fish that they were studying for this college (laughs) program that was very niche and they found someone across the globe to be their study buddy um because you posted it yeah because the way the algorithm works and and one of the reasons i like facebook for this type of situation is the more people that engage obviously the more reach it gets and then you can start connecting people so it's not just about me helping it's about saying you know what I don't know anyone in Nashville, but tag so-and-so. This person might be able to help you with your X, Y, Z. That is so sweet. Really. It's really, really cool. Like, I feel like at the end of the day, I always say this. I, I heard it from a friend years ago, and I think it's so true that the opposite of depression is purpose. And mm-hmm. ultimately, when you boil it down, like people want to feel like they're contributing and that that makes us feel good giving. Do you feel like there's one platform that you like more than another? Do you feel like people should try their hands at all of them? Should you be like working on your Pinterest page while you're working on your Instagram, while you're working on your Twitter, why, or should you just pick one? I get this question all the time. I do too. And it, it is a good question because people only have so much time, right? And that's what it takes to build relationships. So Usually my suggestion, if you're just starting and you really don't have much of a presence anywhere or any history, track record, um, start with intuitively where you think you'll resonate the most with your audience and with your goal, reaching your goals and objectives and dabble in the others and make sure you do try the others because for me, it changes. You know, sometimes LinkedIn is my favorite and that sounds so bizarre to people. But the value and the ability to connect with people who can really help and impact your your business is, I mean, it's unmatched, right? And then, you know, it's all about kind of where you feel like you're resonating the most and what feels Mm -hmm. good to you. Yeah. Um, But to try and do them all at once can be overwhelming and you don't have enough time to do one really well. So start start with one. Awesome. So solid. Thank you for being so generous with all that. Okay. I have a few more questions, but first I want to say something real quick. You guys, I just wanted to remind you that this episode is filled with awesome insight that Amy has, and she's been teaching literally the pros how to do this and how to grow their social media. So I made you guys a cheat sheet. Don't forget, if you want to grab it, you can find the link at the show notes on iTunes or on our website at don'tkeepyourdayjob.com. And you can download the cheat sheet so that you can also grow your following and you can start connecting and you can start making this world more magical by having people hear what you really want to say and making the world a more beautiful place through social media. So go ahead and grab that cheat sheet because there's some really good information there for you guys to be able to actually implement what Amy's talking about. All right. So now let's shift gears a little bit. Amy, you started a podcast called Why Not Now. Tell us a little bit about when you started it and why, why you called it that. Sure. So about a year and a half ago, I started the podcast in a moment of realizing I love having conversations with all these people I'm learning from. I call them renegades. And I thought, why not start recording them? Because I feel like people can learn so Mm. much. And so 
then the idea was, okay, what are we going to call it? And when am I going to start? And it was, why not now? And that became the, the concept. And so I bring on people like Tony Robbins, Ariana Huffington, you know, Jessica Alba, Mark Cuban, you name it, and ask them to tell me about a time when they navigated from idea to action. And we get down to that tangible, tactical type mm. of advice Um, Not the fluffy inspirational quotes that we see on Instagram, which are great too, but that's not what this is about. This is about literally that minute. What did you do? And that's, that's the podcast. That is amazing. Over the course of the years of your work, you have had so many experiences working with the the biggest sort of minds and successful humans um, right now. What are some of the things that you think are like the through lines in all of these people from Mark Cuban, The Rock, Jessica Alba, Simon Sinek, like all of these people that you've spoken to, worked with and really had relationships with? What do you see are consistent? It's it's such an interesting question. And I've been doing a lot of work on this because this is my next book. And I've been fascinated by how these people navigate between idea and action. So it's mm. actually a pretty short bridge between dreaming and doing. Then executing on the other side of the bridge is right. obviously a journey right. on its own. Yep. But just that really specific time frame, I call it a why not now moment, a why not now kind of situation. And in working around these people for the last oh, nearly two decades and interviewing hundreds, I've found that there is a mentality. There are some really specific, tangible, tactical things they do to get from idea to action. And at this point in their lives, they usually don't realize they're doing them because they've been doing it for so long. Hmm. Uh, but just a couple of them, I'm, I'm happy to share with you. Please do. <laughs> and the underlying theme of all of this is that these people are not just willing to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. They thrive in that spot and they're always upping their game. They're always raising the bar. So um, one of the things, and this is my favorite one, when I'm talking to Mark Cuban or, uh, you know, Tony Robbins or Jessica Alba, whoever it is, and I ask them, okay, what was that moment? What did you do when you decided to green light the idea, whether it's personal or professional, could be anything. They do something to hold themselves accountable. So they put some sort of mechanism in place and take action right then and there to where they can't back out. Hmm. And in some cases, it's telling someone that they're going to do something, even though they haven't mapped it out perfectly and they may not have their, their strategy, but it's having that conversation so that person will hold their feet to the fire. I've seen this happen too, and I do it for myself on social media. Sometimes I'll, I'll declare I'm going to do something <laughs> and then I have to do it. Like right now I'm in the middle of a, a 30 day rise with the sun, get up at 5 a.m. situation. So each morning get on my Instagram story and I'm held accountable. Whoa. Um, so I said I was going to do it and now I have to do it. Right. So uh, there's a quote and there's something that Tony Robbins said when he came on my podcast, he said, if you want to take the island, you burn your boat. 
Yeah. Right? You don't give yourself an out. Mm-hmm. So those burn your boat moments are with all these renegades that I've, I've witnessed over the years. Um, another one is oftentimes they calculate in their mind, what's the worst thing that can happen? So some people might perceive this to be a negative thing. Do you really want to go to the negative place right out of the gate? And actually that's not what's happening. They're, they're allowing themselves to be in the driver's seat and get more logical and analytical versus letting that fear of the worst possible scenario drive. And they go through this process where they say, okay, if this doesn't work, you know, if I decide to do X, Y, Z and green light this idea, it doesn't work, then what? And they answer that question. And then they say, okay, then what? And they answer that question. They follow this through all the way to the worst possible scenario. And when we do this, most times we find the amount of time it takes to get from green lighting our why not now idea to the worst case scenario is a lot longer than we think. And there will be so many opportunities to right. shift, right. pivot, you know, change course. Right. And in, in my case, usually it gets comical with the worst possible scenario because <laughs> it's like that's never going to happen, right? right. <laughs> You're going to have um, maybe a couple issues along the way, but the worst, worst case, you will have found a stopgap before that happens. Mm-hmm. So um, those are just a couple. I mean, these people are, are masters at leveraging adversity. And most of the big big situations that have propelled them in their lives have come from something going wrong in their world uh, when it comes to their personal health, their career, their financial situation, a personal relationship. So it's not just about, you know, turning lemons into lemonade. It's not just kind of having a positive attitude. It's actually using some true adversity and creating you know, momentum out of it, using it as a springboard uh, right. to where sense. it's an asset. Yeah. So getting back to what you're saying, I feel like one of the questions that I get asked is people will say, that's so cool. And it makes so much sense not to think about worst case scenarios, just like sort of burn the boats, go for it. And then there'll be this, of course, devil's advocate and this voice that pops in for everybody. And they'll ask me this question, but, but why bother? Like, is there really going to be room for me when there is already, you know, a, a boatload of people blogging or a, a series of people who are already a fashion designer doing the exact same thing I want to do? Why should I even try? Because you just listed all these other successful people. They're already doing it. There's no room for me. What do you think about that? I think it's a great question and it's valid. We all ask ourselves that when we're getting ready to do something new or different. And there isn't room for another person to do it the same way everybody else is doing it. But there's definitely room for you to do it your way. And so that whole be authentically true to yourself and unapologetically, then you're the only person qualified in this world to do that. And so it's, it takes the competition out of it, really. You're just, it's a one horse race. It's easier said than done, but we all do that. I was reading books on vacation recently and I'm like, shoot, is this my next book? Is it going to be that much different? Is it this? Is it that? We all go through that. And then you kind of have to bring yourself back to what do you have to prove? (laughs) And 
if it is so true to you, what you're wanting to share, then there's room for it because yeah, yeah, I think we can really accelerate the process of learning when we share our stories and we can leapfrog other people's lessons and mistakes and imagine accelerating, you know, that education, but also innovation. And, um, the world has to have it, you know, if it's burning in you and it feels like something that you have to do, then you have to do it. Yep. You've met so many people who traverse so many different industries. And one of the questions that we get all the time is people struggling with not knowing yet even what the thing is they need to pursue. Like, I'd love to be able to burn the boats and jump in. And I don't know if I'm supposed to pursue photography or baking or just stay working for my dad's business. I kind (laughs) of like all three. Like, what have you found in your journey talking to people who've been successful in all different industries? How have they dealt with that? So through trial and error, I have found some things that seem to help me and resonate with others. And that is, I've realized that where purpose, passion, and skill collide, bliss resides. So it sounds fluffy, but if you think about if you could live in the intersection of where you find purpose, what you're passionate about, and what you're good at, that's a pretty darn good spot to be in. Yeah. And the trick with this is that it's a moving target because oftentimes our passions shift. And so for anyone that even is perceived to be living in that spot all day, every day, that's not necessarily the truth because I guarantee they're probably thinking about some other things too. Or should I, should I change and do this? Should I do that? What I've learned about this intersection of where purpose, passion, and skill collide is that in many cases in my life, I've had skill and passion. And specifically, if that purpose is missing for me, if I'm feeling a deficit in that category, then I'm not able to sustain momentum. Because Mm -hmm. there are days where we just don't feel like we have the confidence in our skills that we should or that we need. There are days where, yeah, I know I'm passionate about baking, but I'm just not today. (laughs) So when we run out of gas in those categories at times, which happen all the time, we need that purpose to keep us going. So uh, it's a good place to start. So what does that mean? What does that mean on a practical level? Like if you're, if you're going to know it's a moving target, it makes it even more overwhelming. And yet at the same time, it makes it easier because you can just do one thing and dive in and then you can, it's, you know, I always say like life can be in pencil, like you can change it. You know, it doesn't have to be one thing. I mean, look where you started Phoenix Suns. Now you're writing books, doing keynotes, talking to people on yachts. Like it's not necessarily (laughs) working in the front office at an NBA team. So what's your advice on a concrete level, practically, like what is, what does a person do? I want to do photography, but I might want to be a travel writer, but I also might want to open up a hand lettering business. What do I do? Yes. Well, I would start with a pen or pencil and literally make columns. And one is purpose. One is passion. One is skill and just free flow, start jotting stuff down. And this is not the end all. This is not your plan. This is not your strategy. It's just a place to start and start to become more aware and, and create that sense of awareness to where 
start dabbling in photography if you think that that's an area that you want to pursue or maybe you already are. This concept of side hustling is legit. I mean, what's so cool about this day and age that we live in is that you can have several different side hustles if you want. It all just depends on how much time you want to allocate to each one or what you want out of them. So uh, there's someone right now that uh, just reached out who is um, become a friend of mine and they have several different side hustles and they're also an engineer by day. And she does photography. She's starting her own podcast. She does calligraphy. I don't know if I'm calling it that right. Like you said, letter, what's it called? Yeah, hand lettering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hand lettering, yes. Um, <laughs> and because she's been able to try these different things, she's figured out, you know what? I don't like shooting weddings, period. So now, right. <laughs> and you know what? I really like this. And I've been able to blend these two or these three and, and just get started. Burn your boats. Just start somewhere. It doesn't mean you have to quit your job. In fact, one of the things that really resonated with me is Adam Grant wrote a book called The Originals. And Mm -hmm. many of the people he interviewed, what he realized is most people don't just jump and quit and take that leap. Some of these super successful people like Warby Parker, for example, all of those founders kept their day gigs. Until they found, I didn't know that. Yeah, until they mm. they found that sense of stability that they wanted to really leave. So, this mm. myth of just turn it all off, you can change it all tomorrow. You can do it that way if you're comfortable, but there's a more gradual way to get there. Interesting. Yeah, I think that that makes tons of sense. One other thing I'm curious about when meeting all of these people. Do you find that one thing that's consistent is that everybody has some kind of spiritual practice or do you think that that's only a small minority or do you feel like that is pretty consistent? It's a great question. And um, I think this is where semantics get in our way sometimes, because even with me, if someone would have said, you know, three, four years ago, well, what's your intuition say? I'd be like, should we get out a magic eight ball? Like, what do you mean? I'm a spreadsheet girl. <laughs> Um, right. What I've learned, the common thread with these people is that they're hyper aware of their mental, physical and emotional states to where mm-hmm. they realize it's their GPS and um, and it becomes strategic for them. In most cases, yes, there's some sort of spiritual practice or belief or underlying. There's always not only an operating system, but a belief system. So um Would all of these people say they're spiritual? Probably not use those words, but they have a belief system that's greater than themselves. You know, there's something bigger than them, than them that helps guide them, even if it's the science of intuition. Yeah. So uh, it's a great question. And I think what's really cool is that they, they tend to toggle between their belief system, whether that's religion, spirituality, who knows, it could be anything and their operating system. So it's that big zoom in, zoom out throughout their days and forest through the trees. And that's the relationship between those two systems, I think, is what allows them to be so effective because they aren't just in the clouds all the time. They're able to get stuff done. Yep. 
I feel like in my journey, the vast majority of people that I speak to who are really living, fulfilling, successful lives, they all are striving for higher consciousness and have an awareness that if they're going to suffer today, it's them in their own way. They've got to be in charge of captaining, Mm -hmm. being a captain of their mind. What is it that you do to sort of ascend suffering and um, have more well-being? It, I, I realized that I had very little kind of understanding of when to make things happen versus let them have happen. And mm. it, when you just are used to kind of forcing things because you know you can do it, you can make it happen, right? Like you've just got that will yeah. to make it happen. Yeah. It can go great. You can hit some major home runs and then sometimes you can crash and burn. And, and I've really been curious and a student of, okay, when can I understand when to let things happen and like surrender versus pushing and pushing. And what's helped me with that is meditation and, um, starting very small and simple. And eventually now I do TM. The other thing is just, I realized how much gratitude is a strategy. And I, I realized that can sound so woo woo to people sometimes, but like even scientifically, physiologically, we can't feel grateful and fearful at the same time. Right. I know I've heard that. That's fascinating. Yeah. And, and we, the same thing goes with anger. We can't physiologically feel gratitude and anger at the very same time. So if you find yourself in a bit of a rage or in a very scary situation, shifting yourself to gratitude in some way, if you can, is such a strategy, right? And it's, it's something that you always know and learn. And of course, it's important to be grateful. But when you think about it in terms of how it can impact your experience on earth, it's pretty cool. It's really, really awesome. Wow. We covered everything. We've talked about Everything under the sun that really matters. Um, in, in closing, where can people find you? What's coming out next for you? What should we be looking for? And how can we get more of you? I am at Amy Jo Martin on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, you name it. And my website is amyjomartin.com. You can check out my podcast, which is Why Not Now? on all of the places you like to enjoy podcasts and um, working on my second book, which will really be about this mentality of tackling why not now ideas and getting from idea to action. Amy, thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing all of this amazing stuff with us. I feel just so good after talking to you, just like really life-affirming in so many ways. Oh, good. Well, I'm a fan of your show and honored to be on. And I am excited to continue on. And I hope that we can definitely stay in touch and I'll continue to listen. That means the world to me coming from someone like you, because I really respect you. And I feel like you've navigated your entire career being so true to staying grounded and humble. And that is one of the greatest accomplishments. It's really cool. Oh, thank you. Ah, I love talking with Amy. Now, here are some of the incredible takeaways she shared. Number one, 
Humans connect with humans, not logos. Number two, identify your value, the thing that makes you different. Then deliver value when, where, and how your audience wants to receive it. Number three, be authentically true to yourself and your tribe will find you. Number four, start with one platform where you think you'll resonate the most. You can always experiment with the others and switch it up. Number five, keep yourself accountable. Tell someone else your plan, even if you don't have everything mapped out. Number six, calculate what's the worst thing that could happen. Number seven, use adversity as a springboard to leap forward. Number eight, there's no room for someone to do it the same way, but there's definitely room for you to do it your way. It's a one horse race. Number nine, where purpose, passion, and skill collide, bliss resides. And number 10, let gratitude be your strategy. Wow, so much great stuff. There's so much about what she said that really stands out to me. I feel like two of the things that I just think we really have to take to heart is this whole idea that you can post about your hand lettering, but as soon as you post about that trail that you just went on or something that's going on with you, whether your dog passed away or you're in the middle of a breakup or you're really excited because you're throwing your parents their 50th wedding anniversary and you just can't believe how much you've learned, how inspired you are by their marriage. Like as soon as you share something personal, what Amy's saying is then it's not just, oh, I know what I'm going to get. This person's going to share with me another beautifully curated piece of content. But no, they're going to connect with you. And that really is how we make a difference. And I love that she talked about that she's done some research. And what they found is that when people are connecting online, not only is the serotonin levels rising, but that people who are just observing it, like if somebody posts something and somebody else responds and there's some support going on or some empathy or some connection and it's meaningful, people who are just observing that are affected in a positive way. So we can literally be changing the world so simply, actually, if we have the courage to just go start to tell the truth and start to let people into our world. So I hope that you will dip your toe in the water and start to do that a little more. And I'm going to tell you an experience that happened with me that's a little bit similar. So about a week ago, I was in Portland and I was speaking at this amazing conference called the World Domination Summit, which was created by Chris Gillibo, who's another fantastic podcaster. And I was really feeling a little bit stressed because I knew I had some big shoes to fill. Past keynote speakers at this conference were Brene Brown and Gretchen Rubin. And I was so touched that he asked me to come and do this keynote. And I was overthinking it more than I do with other things. And so they had asked that we prepare a slideshow. And I had gone online and I had seen some of these videos of past presenters. And I saw that there were you know, slides and you know, you're on this huge stage in this huge theater with like an orchestra and then there's a mezzanine and then there's another mezzanine. About a thousand people filled this theater. And so they asked us about a month before the conference to send in some slides. And so I took some time and thought about what do I really want to say? And Emma, who is my co-producer on the show, we made some slides together. And Next thing I know, I arrive in Portland and we have this tech rehearsal and we, we get up on Friday and we kind of just go through uh, where we're going to stand and okay, and it's this big theater and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really a lot of people. And are these slides good enough? And I start having all those thoughts, you know, is this really what I want to say? And are these the biggest things that I should be saying? And if I have an opportunity to stand in front of a thousand people and it's just me speaking right to them what really do I want to say? And I started to overthink. And I was looking at the slides and I started to feel like the slides were not me being vulnerable. I felt like it was very prepared and it was very organized and structured. And I thought, you know, the most groundbreaking thing I can do is actually just speak to them from my heart and not be curated and not be rehearsed, but just connect, just be a person speaking right to another soul. 
So the night before I called the production director and I said, look, I don't think I'm going to use the slides. And he said, okay, do you really think that you're going to be okay? You'll be able to fill the whole time. You're not going to get overwhelmed. You're not going to lose what you're saying. You know, sometimes people use slides so that that keeps them on track. And I said, no, I just really want to like honor this opportunity by being vulnerable and just walking out there and just connecting and speaking from my heart. And he said, okay. He's like, I think that you'll be able to do that. I have a sense like not everybody can do that. He goes, but I think you can. And so that night I was literally like making myself sick because I was so scared all of a sudden, like, who am I kidding? I just told them I'm not going to use the slides. So what does that mean? I could tell this. Oh no, I could tell them this. Oh, you know what I should tell them? And I just kept thinking about different things that I could share. And I started getting so overwhelmed that I was literally feeling like I had the flu. My body started to ache. I felt like I was in a cold sweat. My throat started to hurt and I went to sleep early and I woke up and I was in this panic and I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I'm not enough? What if I walk out there and my mind goes blank? What if I don't say anything interesting? What if I fail at this? And I was so anxious. And a little voice, a little part of me kept saying, Kath, you've got this. You're going to be okay. You're going to know what to say. And I felt like I was skydiving, just like jumping from the plane without a parachute. You know, I didn't have the slides. I was just going to walk out there in front of a thousand people. And I was going to, in the moment, ask myself, what do they need to hear? and share whatever I felt in that moment. And so I got there, they mic'd me up and I was standing in the wings. And before I went on stage, this woman who was one of the stage managers, she's like, okay, uh, Chris is going to introduce you. And when it's your time to go out, I'm just going to give you a little push and you're going to be on your way. And I said, all right. And I just closed my eyes and I said, please, God, give me the words. And I walked out there. And as soon as I stood there in front of everybody, I just knew I was okay. And I took a deep breath. And in case you're curious, I said to everybody, close your eyes. I said, ask yourself, what did you come here to hear? Why are you here? And I would ask you the same question. What did you come here to hear? Why do you listen to this podcast? What do you want to be reminded of? What do you need to hear? What permission do you need? And so I asked them that. And then I said to them, okay, open your eyes. I said, you know, look, if there's anything today that I say that feels like it clicks, that feels like it's true, it's because you knew that already. And I want to remind you of that. There's anything that happens on this podcast and you're like so inspired or sometimes people write to me and they're like, I was crying listening to this episode. It's because you knew that. It's because your soul knows that. It's because you're just being reminded of something you already know. You have all of this wisdom within you. And so I told them that. And then I said, look, I'm going to share a few things with you. But the first thing I want to say is the most important thing that I could ever tell you, which is that you're enough and you matter. And you're worthy of being heard exactly as you are. With all your bruises, with all your scars, exactly as you are. And that's so something that I hope that you guys get from listening to this podcast. And I told them that I feel like every single person is an original and even identical twins have different fingerprints. And so if that's true, what is the evolutionary need for every person to have a different fingerprint? Unless, of course, we each have our own imprint and we each have something unique that only we can share with the world. And it's true. And I went on to talk 
for another 30 minutes or so. And I think my main message started with a question. I said to them, how would your life be different if you were willing to tolerate being uncomfortable? Meaning to say, how would your life be different if you could show up and sit at that piano and even if you don't make this incredible symphony the first time, you do it again and again and again. And how would it look if you were willing to press publish on that blog, even though it wasn't perfect, and then do it again? And how would it look if you were willing to show up and not tell yourself that you're not good enough and stop telling yourself that you don't want something just because you're really trying to protect yourself because it takes courage to want what you want. It takes courage to really go for what you want because then you have to face the fact that maybe you're not going to be perfect at it right away. And maybe it's going to take some trying and some pivoting and some assessing and some doing. And so I just told them all of those things and I'm sharing that with you because I think it's something that is really, really important to know. I think that so many people sit it out because they can't handle the fact that they're not perfect, but nobody is. And everyone struggles with imposter syndrome and everybody worries if they're good enough. Lewis Howes talked about that last week and we all have that. I was going crazy for 12 hours before this talk, not sure if I had anything to say. All I do is talk and I still wasn't sure if there was anything worthwhile for me to share. So it worked out and I hope that this podcast reminds you that you're enough and I hope it reminds you that it's okay to be uncomfortable and not be perfect and that if we keep showing up and you keep trying things and doing things, you will be led to how you can contribute the most with your gifts. Keep going. Keep sharing your heart. There's so much yummy stuff in there and the most powerful, delicious thing is that vulnerability because it's so scarce. So I hope you have the courage to keep sharing what's really going on. And I think you'll be amazed at what happens in response. Okay, now it's time to share a few listener wins. So Lizzie said on Facebook, by employing some polite persistence, I reached out to some local interior designers and asked to bring by a gift. I put together some boxes with samples of my art, a handwritten note, and some business cards. I made some great connections and they told me on the spot they'd be contacting me. How's that for reverse engineering? That's really cool, Lizzie, and that's super smart. Yes, the doors will open if you just start practicing some of what we're talking about on the show, including polite persistence. So thank you so much for sharing that. If you guys want to check out some of her work, you can find her at ldisilvestroart.com. That's L-D-I-S-I-L-V-E-S-T-R-O art.com. I got another message on Instagram from Demetrius all the way from Greece. I can't believe we have listeners in Greece. I'm already amazed by this guy. So here's what Demetrius said. Hi, Kathy. A good friend of mine recommended listening to your podcast and you've given me great motivation during some really hard times. After years of hard work and experimentation, I can finally say that I opened my first online shop selling music clothing. I got into graphic design and I created my own brand and logo. You can check it out at dimblim.com. I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Once again, thank you so much for giving me the energy when everything seems so hopeless. I believe I managed to create something awesome. Yes, Demetrius, you've created something awesome and magical and I'm so proud of you. Thank you for sending me this message. You guys, if you want to give him some love, his site is Dimblim, which is D-I-M-B-L-E-D.com. And you can see his cool t-shirts, designs, and logos there. It's been such a joy getting to read all your accomplishments and progress. Truly, it is the fuel that keeps me so excited to share more amazing things with you and to bring on all these awesome guests. So thank you so much. 
So keep telling me what's going on with you. I check every single one of my DMs on Instagram. If you write to me on Instagram, you will get a response from me. So go ahead and come follow me on Instagram at kathy.heller, C-A-T-H-Y dot H-E-L-L-E-R. And let me know what's going on with you. And if you're going through something, you're struggling with something and you want some encouragement, you can reach out. If you want to share something that's awesome that happened, you can reach out. And you can also just check out what I'm posting because I'm posting things myself. I write all my posts myself and I'm trying every single day to think of either sharing something vulnerable with you or sharing something that I hope will be inspiring. So come on over to Instagram, follow me there. I would love to see you there. That's the easiest way for me to connect with you. Thank you guys so much for listening. I know that you have a million and one options of how to spend your time. So it really means the world that you choose to spend it here. If you guys love the show, go ahead and share it with somebody. Share the episode or any other episode that you think might inspire someone. It really goes a long way. Thanks to you guys. This community uh, started out like a whisper and it grew into a roar. And now I feel like we have this amazing community of people who are really waking up and striving not only to be in alignment with themselves, but to use their gifts to make this world a little bit more beautiful and a little bit more whole. So please keep sharing the podcast. It means the world to me. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. That would be so, so lovely of you. Um, remember, if you want a cheat sheet from this episode, there's going to be a link in our show notes on iTunes or on our website. You can go ahead and grab that. And there's some really cool things there that are going to help you with your social media. All right, I'm gonna leave you guys with a song of mine. Have a great week. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. When your car won't start, when you broke your heart, the lights all turn to red. When you pay the cost, when your dream gets lost, spinning circles in your head.